0: Jeffrey Epstein, a 66-year-old wealthy hedge fund manager and billionaire, was arrested again for allegedly having paid sex with underage girls. First of all, I don't even know what a hedge fund manager is, which is probably why I'm not a billionaire, but I do know that his first arrest was over 10 years ago and nothing really happened. But what's different today? It seems like what we're willing to put up with yesterday, we're no longer willing to put up with today. What's different? A change in societal perspective. That's what's different. Children's lives matter. No, no, I mean, all children's lives matter. This sounds like a statement that doesn't need repeating, but it absolutely does need to be said. We certainly believe this statement. And in the U.S., we've done a pretty good job putting policies in place that protect children. Well, I mean, some children. For instance, before 2000, if an adult had sex with a 14-year-old, the adult could actually be charged with crimes related to abusing a child. But if the adult put money in the hands of the 14-year-old or gave money to the 14-year-old's pimp, the stigma was removed from this customer and the adult was viewed as nothing more than a junk, and the child was assigned all the blame all the stigma and was called a delinquent nothing was different about each scenario except the exchange of money and of course our belief about the value of one child sexually abused without payment over another sexually abused with payment And even though we assigned blame to the child we called prostitute, we should know that the frontal cortex component of the brain in charge of decision-making isn't fully developed at 14, nor is their ability to have agency or wield the power we've assigned to the child we called prostitute. For instance, before 2000, a 14-year-old sold to an adult by an adult is the one who stood accountable. Researchers back then studied youth involved in prostitution as deviants. Criminal justice called them delinquents and society called them whores. These children's lives didn't matter and in fact they were used by males that could afford them and then blamed for their need to survive a harsh life serving adult desires. In fact, Despite the fact that everybody says that any child can be trafficked, most youth that are commercially sexually exploited today are vulnerable. Most have suffered previous childhood abuses and neglect, have been involved in juvenile court, have difficulties in school, may use drugs to cope with years of trauma. However, in the court of public opinion, these children had the power and the ability to outwit and manipulate adult men into positions where men merely gave up money while exploited youth gave their innocence. A fair and smart trade on the child's part indeed. As I read the paper in the Jeffrey Epstein case, I'm reminded of the study that we did across Ohio that found that buying youth for sex was fairly expensive. And men that purchased sex from youth had to be men of some means. In our study, we found city employees, police officers, lawyers, social workers, judges, pastors, just to name a few men in proximity of children and vulnerable women being sold. It wasn't the creepy guy living under the bridge. That we all think it is because a creepy guy under the bridge doesn't have a job and can't afford the premium price of a 14-year-old. But back then, stigma-fueled language served to keep us from seeing the truth that we now see. That pimps are traffickers, deserving of years in prison. That juvenile prostitutes are no longer called that. They're victims of commercial sexual exploitation, deserving of services not incarceration, not blame. And John's are child molesters, sexual predators, when they're seeking paid sex with children and youth. We've got to change that language as well. And today, language and laws are changing. In 2000, the federal government passed the Trafficking Victims Protection Act that acknowledged the existence of both sex and labor trafficking on U.S. soil. States followed in suit, passing safe harbor laws that move juvenile court from being the primary institution in a trafficked child's life to social services and child welfare being the primary institutions to help children recover. Those children that have been abused privately in their homes and commercially in other people's homes are deserving of our help and our empathy and our care and our concern. On August 10, 2019, Jeffrey Epstein killed himself in a Manhattan jail. In the era of the Me Too movement and the Time's Up movements, it seems that Mr. Epstein may have realized the marked paradigm shift that occurred in the country since his arrest over 10 years ago. Maybe he realized the devastation that he caused to his own life. Maybe he realized the devastation that he caused to those around him. Maybe, hopefully, he even realized the trauma he caused to his minor victims over the years. Maybe he simply couldn't face the time he may get in prison and the attacks on his character. But instead of choosing to face his accusers or stand accountable to his victims and to society, he chose to end his life. A choice that's a very different route for many of the strong sex trafficking survivors across the U.S. who not only faced societal stigma and blame for their own victimization, but who worked to fight past chronic, complex trauma from being raped, sold, abused, and assigned blame for their own victimization. I, like many other people across the country and around the world, wish that he wouldn't have killed himself. We all wanted him to stand accountable to his accusers so that they can see justice as a part, as a small part, a component of their healing. Hell, we needed to see justice as a small part in our own healing. But alas, that's not to be. And we have to come to grips with that, we have to make peace with it. Let's focus on being proud of our progress. We're coming after the Jeffrey Epstein's of the world. Whether you're a billionaire or you're a working class guy with disposable income and think you want to purchase a young person for sex. That day is over. That time is passed. Thank you to all the advocates around the nation and around the world that have been fighting exactly to get to this point where we do arrest billionaires, for trafficking people who hardly have anything and who are vulnerable. Our society has changed. So thank you for the people that have been out there marching and picketing and writing and nudging their senators, their Congress the all the legislators. Thank you for the people that have been educating their daughters and their cousins and been building and forming coalitions. And thank you to the secretaries who were on those coalitions, who wrote down meetings with their bosses so that we can get in the doors and talk to people with power and influence about trafficking. Thank you to the people who got petitions signed. Thank you to the people who went on the news and talked about issues. Thank you to all the survivors who were brave enough and courageous enough to stand up and talk about what happened to them. And thank you to the lawyers and the social workers and the CEOs and the healthcare people and the volunteers and the students and the moms and the dads and the young people who went to their school and said, I want to learn about human trafficking and now let's do something to help people my own age fight human trafficking. So instead of feeling bad, feeling regretful that we didn't get to hold Jeffrey Epstein accountable, let's look back over 10 years ago. This didn't take place 10 years ago when he was arrested the first time. And this time we had a billionaire in our grasp and we said, vulnerable children who have nothing are more important than your billions. And I think that's progress and we need to celebrate.